0: I'm Kevin
1: and this is Josh
0: and on this episode of the Filmmaker's Guide to the Industry we talk to director of photography Mike Delator.
1: aka Mike D and this is as you're probably going to hear and see like our first pandemic episode Kevin's in the studio I'm at home Mike was talking to us from LA so we've done Collins before but this was kind of a, a whole new way of doing it.
0: And with Mike, he was recently named one of the 2020 Rising Stars by ASC. So, needless to say, he is a phenomenal DP that has a lot of information to provide. Um, Mike, thank you so much for for coming on. Um, Personally, this this is an episode I'm very excited for because I was or am a huge fan of how right burn turned out um, both both just storyline wise and visually so thank you so much for um for coming on and and talking to us for a little bit
2: oh cool yeah no thanks for having me
0: so so i mean right there i just want to dive into just give us a little rundown on on your career trajectory like how did you get to where you are now what are some of the uh, projects that you've done sure sure well you know i i wanted a a, i've found
2: a as a kid i realized i wanted to uh get into filmmaking i was around 15 years old and um a friend of mine took me on a on a justin Lin's uh thesis feature actually which is called shopping for fangs um and um and i was about 15 years old and realized i really like this is what that's what i wanted to do and from there i would go and pa on as many uh projects out here in Los Angeles, uh, whether it be, uh, UCLA or USC or, and some AFI projects and started, um, learning as much as I could. Um, I took a workshop, um, after high school with a program called, uh, Inner City Filmmakers, where we did a, a workshop with Kodak and, um, Kodak took us through everything, prep and everything is shooting and so I uh, prepped at Panavision one day and I said hey you know how do you get a job here and they were like um, yeah just apply just go into shipping and ask for an application and I did that and uh, a couple months later I, I got the job at Panavision shipping department um, and uh, worked my way through up until the prep floor I was on the prep floor for um, a really long time uh, about nine years i want to say and then i moved into the marketing department for another nine years so i spent the total of about 18 years at panavision um wow. yeah the whole time i was actually um shooting um they're they're super supportive there and as very much a family environment um people like phil Raiden who who has since passed away um but um, would like let me take camera packages out over the weekend, and um, like within my first year of being there, he was like, "Yeah, well, you want to take a camera package out? You know, we'll we'll put you on the insurance and blah blah blah. And then, as long as you don't break anything, we'll be fine." And um, <clears throat> and so, and then I had all my buddies there from from work that also wanted to shoot, and so that we would all kind of just like sometimes we we'd crew on each other's projects and. Or they would, you know, help me on mine, and we'd meet people that wanted to do music videos, and you know, we were shooting film. This is back in 2001, and um, because we were also good friends with a lot of the loaders, um, you know, they would they would have short ends. They 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 a lot of productions wouldn't shoot anything under 250 feet, so they would they'd have boxes of 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 film, and uh, buddies would just would say oh here i got some film for you and you know we'd go out and shoot a music video for, with like five thousand feet of film and <laughs> camera and the only real hard cost was uh processing and telecine um so that was really great so that through, through the time i was at panavision i was able to shoot um i i met a lot of people i met i met david yarovski the director of Brightburn, through um through another friend of mine who was gonna shoot something for him. And then um, he couldn't do it. And so I just, I I jumped in and we shot it and became really good friends after that. Um, That was about 12 years ago. Um, We've we've since shot, I don't know how many dozens of music videos together. Um, And then we, we ended up doing our first feature together called The Hive, which was in 2014. I want to say 2000 late 2013 um and then i did a couple features throughout <clears throat> and, and again through that whole time panavision was like super super supportive in that they would let me take you know two three months off sometimes to um to shoot my projects and and come back and uh, and also while i was while i was at panavision um i was able to because uh because I was shooting a lot Dan Sasaki um who's like their the lens guru there who you know designs you know all these all these crazy lenses for for these big productions um he'd sometimes hand me like a prototype and say hey man there's yeah I just want you to shoot this just want to see if you know you know and I'd shoot like charts and sometimes then I'd go and like shoot faces and you know hit it with different kinds of light and take it outside and do all these kind of things and then we'd go into the theater and watch and um and he'd break it down scientifically and like oh yeah see this this thing's happening over here because of this doublet that i put in there that does this and or wow. um you know the coating i used on this one was this way because uh because i wanted to make it to fog out and you showed me that it does it and blah 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 and so uh there was a lot of uh, a great learning from that um you know, I got the chance to shoot a couple, bunch of lenses before like some DPs even got them on the on the big productions. Um, and so I got a, lo- a lot of really cool uh, and then sometimes just like sitting in the projection room with Dan. Um, we he would tweak lenses and we would just kind of talk and hang out and just see like, you know, and uh, and uh, again, the environment there is such a such a family environment and they love grow they love they love people to the, the to have as much knowledge as possible so you know uh dan came from a, a time that where like tech uh miyagishima who was like the longest running employee there would would teach him stuff and then so he's teaching other people stuff and so <clears throat> that's kind of where i was at um i did brightburn burn um late uh, mid 2018 I want to say no a fall uh, spring of 2018 um and then when that when that feature came when that uh, trailer came out um, I had agents reach out to me and uh, met with some agents and and end up really liking um um my people now at UTA and uh and since then they they've got me a co- a lot of a lot of Interviews and I got a couple jobs. I did a job with um, uh, Brandon Braga um, for this uh, movie called um, *Books of Blood*, and which is the Clive Barker um, kind of um, what is it? The the volumes of uh, short stories that he wrote. We did about three three of the short stories, um, and I decided from that point I was like, all right, it's time to leave the nest. It's time for me to leave Panavision. And uh, after 18 years, I was like, all right, it's time to go. Um, And um, since then, I've been, you know, freelancing. Uh, I was in the middle of a project, um, which I can't really talk about, unfortunately, right now. I'll tell you guys maybe afterwards when we're not recording. But it's (laughs) a really cool little project that we're about day 18 in day, day eighteen of like twenty five days, and uh, and you know the whole COVID nineteen thing hit, and and uh, they put us into hiatus, and you know the hopes are that uh, in maybe a month we'll be we'll be back in production at what it, at what it uh, you know what we're gonna need to do. That's a good question. I don't know. You know, I'm sure testing and and a lot of protective equipment will probably be key. Um, but that's kind of like everyone will
1: be dressed uh, on set like there's a big stunt gonna happen face shields yeah you know (laughs) all the time
2: everything i mean we're all gonna have masks for sure like that's not even a you know um so that's kind of a quick rundown on the uh well
0: uh, out of curiosity i mean with you mm -hmm. being 18 out of 25 days into production what do you Mm -hmm. expect is going to be um needed on a production side to, to to ramp back up i mean on day 18 everybody's in, in a groove you you know what's mm-hmm. going on i mean to start back up um filmmakers know it, it's not it's not easy it's weird it, it takes a day it takes two days maybe even to kind of get your feet back under you um and on top of that there's a massive hiatus so no one's been working so there's yeah. even more of a uh you know uh, rust setting in if you will So what what do you see as the challenges To start back up
2: Yeah that's a good question Because uh, there's always the you know First day jitters kind of a deal right And then it takes a while to, for, for people to get back Into it but <clears throat> From everyone that I've been talking to um, You know My gaffer my first day and Stuff they they're all Actually really starving Not starving to work but you know they're like everyone else is stuck at home and 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 just uh, looking for something to do, so they can't wait to get back to work. So I almost feel like there's gonna be like a lot more um, a lot more energy <laughs> than a than a right. basic production where like people are just like, all right, let's go do this, you know? Because um, <laughs> you know, a lot of people like a lot of a lot of people that came on my project had just come off of something. And they were going to go right into something else, um, so you know there's a certain amount of burnout, right? Um, there's a it's a little bit almost like a vacation. When you take that vacation, you get back into it. You're like, all right, I'm fired up. Um, so I feel like there's a bit, there'll be a sense of that. There's definitely gonna be a sense of that for me of like, oh my god, I'm going to be really excited to get back into this, as it always is when I restart a when or when I start a new a project. Um, I think the thing is just going to be like, how do we do this? Because, I mean, like, we're always in close quarters. You're, you know, you have uh, people next to each other constantly. I mean, I the director and I are, like, connected at the hip all the time. And um, I think uh, communication is probably going to be the hardest thing, right? Because everyone's going to have to be wearing masks. So it's like, all right, so how, how are we going to be communicating through N95 masks or through whatever um, were made to wear by the by the by the unions or the produ- producers um, and and then it's like all right you touched this do we have to clean this now i don't know um, right it's as far as the work goes i think everyone's going to be really excited to get back to 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 just doing what a lot of us love to do um, you know even I, I you know there's people that sometimes complain on set and you know but they still love doing it <laughs> Um, I think right. it's going to be that but it's just I think it's more just the, the logistics of you know people are going to be scared or worried that you know all right at the end of the day that's for me that's that's my big my biggest concern is like at the end of the day now what do i have to do do i have to come home and like take everything off and and take a hot shower and wash everything in hot water and that's gonna be every day so it's a, a whole new process to a an already really long day that's gonna exist um that's i mean that's the key and, and then i'm also very like i'm also i'm, I'm not like i want to say i got my like, like I'm very much like I, I love giving people high fives. I love, you know, patting people on the back and, you know, things like that. So it's like, oh, you know, that's to me, sometimes that's a form of like, you know, like I played sports a lot in school. So like for me, that was like, you know, you got people fired up and, and, and really excited about stuff and and, and, right. and admiration of like third grid work, um you know, that's not going to happen. I mean, it'll be verbal still, but. But, you know, it's 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 going to be less of that. I mean, I'm also one of these I'm one of these people that like at the end of the shoot, at the end of the day, I go by and shake everyone's hand, thanking them for their hard work. And um, that's not going to happen. I mean, maybe it's going to be one of those elbow bumps now or something or (laughs) whatever, you know, or or just a a verbal Thank you to the, to everyone's face, but I like to do that individually for everyone because you know um, they're all there working really hard, um, and sometimes you know you ask you as a DP you ask for some demanding things from them, and and they deliver constantly, um, and, and it's it's nice for them to feel like you know they're uh, they're, they're that they're delivering, and and uh, that's what I used to do, and I have to figure a new way of. <clears throat> being really uh grateful to these people for what they do.
1: For sure. Uh what have you guys been doing during the shutdown? I mean, have you been, you know, taking extra looks at what you've already shot, you know, re-evalu- reevaluating kind of what's there? You know, mm-hmm. have you been talking about your game plan, what 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 have you been doing to kind of just stay in, you know, operation mode as best you can during the shutdown? Sure.
2: Yeah. So what we've been doing is, um, we uh, I've been watching dailies. Um, so we have we've been using a program called IO. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, mm-hmm. um, yeah. but uh, it's great because um, it allows me to put notes in, um, and it and it um, it correlates with the timeline on the on Resolve. So the 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 thing about it though is that you everyone has to be on Resolve like, the editors Resolve, color is on Resolve, um, I don't know about sound but I imagine they they're, they're going to have to be on on whatever far, far Light or whatever it's called, but the editor is on Resolve. So what's happening is I can put notes in there and say hey this scene is or this guy's a little dark here don't worry about it I can I can bring him up, or like. Uh, this window's blown out, you know. I'm going to bring it down, and so the editor can kind of see notes and say like, "Oh, okay. Well, Mike says this will be fine, or, or whatever." But then also the colorist can actually go in and actually make the changes, and they and because they're all live, it reflects onto the edit. So right. if uh, if for some reason there was a bump in the iris or like the sun came out halfway through, the uh, the the our our colorist can do a dynamic. Correction that will will already be done to the edit, and so it actually will will speed up our work eventually at the end. Um, So there is a lot of that, and what it's helping me do is I'm taking notes about like what worked and what didn't. You know, Um, oh these close-ups work really good on this person, or you know, um, whenever we shot uh, these people, they for instance, we're, we're, we're shooting a band and it's six people and it's like, it's coverage nightmare, right? It's like, Oh, what side of the line are you on? Well, it's like, well, who's talking to who right now? And it's just, it's just one of those, like, you have to do like an overhead constantly. Um, and then, and then hope that like, and then while you're doing it, go, okay, well, we also need this line or whatever, or, and, um, and uh i've seen a couple cuts and uh, like segment uh, segments of the of uh scenes and i'm like all right we crossed the line here but it doesn't matter you know so it's like all right mm-hmm. so like i can I, I can get notes about like that kind of stuff it's like when we're doing these big scenes with the band it's like do we have to be on the line you know every time um you know some people are, some directors are sticklers about it and others aren't um and then also, like, I can see, like, uh, where um, some of these, because um, it's also it's also a horror film. So I can see, like, where some of the scares worked, where I can right. actually make adjustments in making something either darker or bringing it up more just because of, uh, you know, the time limitations at the time where when you were shooting it, you weren't able to do it. And now I'm like, all right, okay. So it's going to help me actually come in with a better game plan, um, and then also, uh, the director's has already been giving me a, a bunch of um, pickups, shot lists, um, so that we can say, "Hey, when we go back, we we, this scene needs two more shots, and then we're good," and so we can figure out how to set them up in our schedule, so that we have, um, <clears throat> so that we have those additional shots. Uh, while we're doing, it. so it's it, it's almost kind of like it's helping us a lot because we're gonna have a really good edit going in, and we're gonna know kind of a uh, what we really need, and if we if we if we need something else. So there, being that we're working with this band that we're we're gonna essentially lose right after we shoot. Um, Where there's no such thing as reshoots, right? There's no or additional photography. It's like we're what we shot is what we're gonna get. And so it's going to help us to make sure that we have an, enough to um, completely cover the um, the uh, the cut.
1: Right. So you said something with crossing the line. That's always a really interesting topic. With, you know, what is your thoughts on crossing the line? Because like you said, some directors are sticklers, but you know, it can also being such a stickler on that can also present other challenges as well. So what's your approach to you know? crossing not crossing the line and how you kind of use it and deal with it
2: yeah i mean i i, I think uh you know crossing the like the the 180 rule is you know a, a good guide to to give us you know an idea it's 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 a it's a good fundamental in that like you know the the direction who's talking to who is is important to know but then also like You know, how can I how can I use that? um, As a uh, as a story point, right? Because I I feel like everything goes back to the story point to the story. And uh, visually, I I need to help motivate the story. So if I'm, um, you know, if I'm like, I want a scene where I want them to feel feel separated, I'm going to break the line just so that it looks like they're talking in opposite directions. Um and then also there's times where like a shot looks better a certain way be just because of 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 uh the background behind a certain person and it's like hey it's two people we know they're talking to each other I think it's fine to cross the line um and then I also like to cross the line sometimes in shot at at certain moments where we know like oh there's here's a turning point that you just said something <laughs> it literally crossed the line. Like an actor said something that pits the other actor or the, the character says something, you know, that that makes the other character angry. And now, and now that shot, we can use that, that literal, literal crossing of the line to cross the line. Um,
0: do you make that decision on set or is that in your shot list when you've read the script? How does that play out? Yeah. I mean, um, I, I,
2: it depends on the director honestly and um, how much time and prep i can have with them because um because what ends up happening is with like a director like dave we are dave jarvisky um it's a lot easier for us to really like come up with things that are like that and that 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 pop up just because we know each other's um style and, and 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 you know, we're very similar, we, we have similar, um, uh, thoughts in that way. Whereas <clears> with <throat> a new director, I may have to like hang out with them more and, and see what they like and, and understand like their sensibility before I can really be like, Oh, you know, uh, suggesting certain things like that. Um, but I think it all comes down to prep. Like, you know, if you're, pre- if you have a good prep, the beauty of that is that you you have a you have a good plan and then you can change it up um you know going back to sports in a way like you know you have your you have your your plan of how you want your plays to go through but like if 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 you if you find that that those aren't working and you see oh they're not working because these defense these defensive people are coming in at a certain point then we have to adjust and that's and that's that's the beauty of the filmmaking right is we can adjust when say like oh well you know what this actor is doing a better job of of this scene than we thought they were going to do so we don't need to cover it that much we can cover it with one angle or with one shot that just pushes in really slow on them or um you know uh but then but but at least I. The planning is key right because because you have to have all the parts there, especially on lower budget stuff uh, if you don't understand what you're gonna shoot before you go into it you're you're asking for like a lot of um, a lot of downtime or a lot of time where you where you, where you run out of time to shoot something because you you're like trying to figure it out where at least if you have a, a nice base you can you can mold from there. You know, a nice foundation will help you uh, make adjustments and say, oh, this this is great. We can just we can change this here, change this there. Um, You know, sometimes you you don't until you do the blocking, you don't see um, you don't see how good an actor really does at a certain thing. Right. And you go and you get inspired by that. Like an actor, even on even on rehearsal, sometimes an actor will give you like a taste of like what they're going to give you and you go, Oh damn. All right, cool. Like I know <laughs> I don't, you know, I know I can, Yeah. I, I, you get an idea from, from what they're doing. You know, they might turn a certain way and you go, Oh, well, wow. You know, I can, I can come across this and then push in and, and we're, you know, we're going to get it. We're going to almost dance with each other. You can coordinate with each other in a way, you know,
0: w- with your relationship with Dave uh, and Brightburn, um, w- was there anything that the actors did that your relationship with Dave kind of helped um, a, a certain scene, or just the movie as a whole? Uh, you know, just kind of trying to unpack everything that you just said, just in a in a movie that we can actually reference. Uh, I know your two your two newest projects, we can't really talk about too much. Yeah. So, um, you have any any firsthand ex- um, examples with Brightburn? With you know, like I said, the actor, the re- relationship with uh, the director. Well. Yeah, that one's kind of.
2: I mean, the 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 crazy thing, or the the very um, um, the very cool thing with *Brightburn* was actually that, like, we had James Gunn, who was our producer, who was there all day on set every day, right? And then we had Elizabeth Banks. Who's also a director, <laughs> um, who's in you know two thirds of the film, um, and they were like they they like like there was a, a, a sense of like you know like you you if you play with people that are better with you better than you like or you know you you have to you have to bring up your game right um, right and they're like you know they're great like elizabeth as just as an actress as an actor is like like she's amazing like you know and she she does she did a lot of that uh very much where a thing that actors do where were they're so invested in the character that they say well um you know this this character would want to do this because of her child like You know as this character i would want to i would want to come over to here because of you know this is how i'd want to hug him or so forth and um and you know it's uh it's something kind of new when you when you do it when you work with these actors that have, have so much experience that you're like you you really want to um use that to your you know to your advantage um and, uh, and we were able to do that with this movie because, you know, we have the, we had the guidance from both Dave and, or sorry, from James and from Elizabeth in times where we were like, um, not knowing that what we wanted to do, but like it, it just get, I felt like to me, it felt like, oh, wow. Like I hadn't experienced that level of, um, experience from an actor to come in and just like show us, you know, even even in a in a in a in a, in a rehearsal, um, the ability of uh, of what the act of what a really good actor brings to the table. Um, I'm trying to think of any specific points at on *Brightburn* where, you know, I mean there are times where like Dave has a very a unique um, style um, and. And some people wouldn't understand, like, oh, well, why are you doing this? And we're just like, well, this is this is a certain... Um, I'm trying to think of a specific point where we had, like... Uh, like an actual, like, um, like... an actual scene where... I mean, you know, if, if you've seen the end of the movie, and I hope I'm not spoiling it for anyone, but, you know the the flashing like like once she breaks a piece off of the plane of the spaceship the the lights flashing on and on off and on really bright um that was you know dave wanting just this very like um like staccato-y like feeling of like unrest and 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 sureness if if and if you look back in in the movie like there's times where like you know we actually hid him in the darks in the darkness um as Hmm. the lights flashed on and off um and a lot of people well not a lot of people but some people were like isn't this going to be a little strange and we're like yeah but you know this is this what we you know we've thought about it we've we talked about it and we think this is going to be a really cool way of you know, uh, driving us to the climax of the film.
0: Well, it was almost part of his character. The boy's character was just sitting in the shadows. It was, was interesting. Um, like when he went over to his aunt's house and he's in the shadow just on the, uh, what was it? The, um, the closet, like a foot further or the hallway, like a foot further, he would have been in pure light. But just that one step just made it very, you could tell he was there and you're just like, oh, that is creepy. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> and, and, but it was such a such a subtle thing that that definitely was noticed throughout the film. Uh, you know, one, one of the scenes that really um, uh, just kind of kept running through my mind before we hopped on uh, to talk to you was, when Elizabeth was um, searching around the barn for um, for her son and he, well, because she heard noises outside and she goes outside and you have the the laundry lines and there's t- towels and everything. And uh, it, it was a very, very dirty frame with everything kind of moving around in the wind, but it was a very clean composition at the same time. It was It's kind of mm-hmm. weird. Um, I, I hope I'm explaining that properly what what was some of your motivation for um for your for your shots for you know kind of the look that you were going with and and like stuff like that was kind of interesting to me just seeing like i said very dirty frame with a lot of movement she's going through and she's looking for him but yet it's it's a clean composition at the same time is there anything that kind of sparked that Hmm.
2: well you know we um we watched a lot of scary movies <laughs> um because uh you know it's uh I mean I I had always thought of the film as as a as a slasher um and um and we watched a lot of scary movies that uh just kind of gave us ideas of of that kind of stuff But in the end we just kind of just i don't know we tried to find stuff that we we felt uh we really liked i i i attribute a lot of that stuff to to dave honestly um he he has a lot of really good ideas um and what i and what what i am able to do is actually help them come to life and also add you know a little more sweetener to them um you know uh he you know his thoughts of going through those going through the um the uh the clothesline, um and it, it it gave a i don't know it gave a sense of mystery which is what we wanted um and and you know that shot was actually you know Two, in two different locations honestly too um but it's something that i again i i i feel like i i want to do as and as a dp is this one of those things is just like take that director's vision and actually try to and try to propel it um you know and and it's and when you when we shoot with someone with like dave where all, his vision is already like like up there um to try to like Sometimes then ground it in a way, (laughs) um, is what is what helps, and and then also a lot of that comes from you know having I had a really good operator on that movie, uh, Ramon Ingle, who, um, and my also my B camera operator, uh, Jan Rona, they were they were amazing. So we would we would kind of like design these shots, and at times they would say, Hey, you know, uh, well, if we did it like this, I could, you know, we. It, it would be slower or it'd be easier to do or, um, but they, they give us a lot of another, again, in, um, insight into making as many good compositions and, and driving the story through, through those compositions as possible. So a lot of that comes from, from, from that support. So we were really supported heavily that
1: way, you
2: know? Gotcha. If
1: I know we're kind of talking about Brightburn, but if I could just go back for a minute and talk about your time at Panavision again, Um, Mm -hmm. I know you kind of said that, you know, yeah, you got the cameras on the weekend and you learned a a lot about lenses, but what else could, could you say that you took away from your time while there? And, you know, for someone that wants to break into the business would you recommend doing something similar to that for them, you know, to try and go and cut their teeth, learn about the gear, learn about the things, you know, especially if they want to get in camera or a lighting department or something? Um, you know, what else did you kind of take away from that that kind of molded you and kind of prepared you for, you know, when you would finally be stepping out and kind of making your own films? Sure. Yeah, no, I mean... Uh
2: the great thing about being at Panavision were that, uh, not only was I surrounded by all the high end gear, you know, the top of the line gear from every possible manufacturer, not only from Panavision, but, um, but other companies that they carried. So it gave me a lot of, um, like I'm a, I'm a very technical person. Like I, I build a lot of stuff. I've, you know, right now I'm 3D printing things, you know, <laughs> um, right. I, have, I have a couple 3D printers and so forth and stuff like that. And so I like to build things. I like to, I like the technical aspect of a lot of that stuff. And um, it, it did teach me like how to, how to everything worked, how to assemble, you know, a camera package, um, all that stuff um, that, uh, that is good to know. Uh, as far as the craft, um, how certain lenses respond to certain, you know, uh, camera systems, things like that, um, and then and then I can take that technical knowledge and then apply it to the storytelling part of it, right? Um, so right. I, it it was great for that that technical part, and, and 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 being, and then the other part was was being surrounded by um the other my other friends who um a community basically. I built a community there of other filmmakers that um were as eager and as passionate about film as I was. So um like I said, you know, we would go on weekends and, you know, half the crew that was on the shoot was probably from Panamision. Um and having having a community of people that what you knew you could you could work with and that you had a similar um, style or similar I think work ethic is a big deal to me because I work I work my butt off you know and um, I like to know that like if someone's gonna come help they're gonna work their butt off too and then when I go on their project i'm gonna I'm gonna work my butt off on their project um, right. and i think that's really important because in the end uh i was talking to a friend of mine who was like you know uh he's got he he had a big feature come out and and he thought it was going to be like a a lot of was going to happen and 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 not much did as far as you know uh moving on in 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 the industry and you know and and he was like, "Oh, dude, it's only about it's all about your, you know, all about who you know and your contacts." And I'm like, "Yeah, that's that's in a way that is, you know." Um, uh, if you look at a lot of filmmakers that um, have certain teams, uh, you know, Darren Aronofsky and and Matthew, Matty Libatique and people like that, that that they work together really well, you know they met they met in film school and then they started making you know projects and from there on they moved on so like there's a, you know there's people that that worked with me at Panavision that are um helping me right now um on 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 this, on this current feature and then um and then I know it could help me in the future and it just it just it, we we built a, a solid team um, of people, and so um, that's kind of where I think that's kind of. I tell people all the time it, it was my film school, even though I went to I went to a community college. I went to LACC, um, mm-hmm. and although it's a pretty good uh, program for for being that it's a community college, um, they still don't have a lot of gear. Um, you know, they suffer the 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 thing of being a community college and the fact that you know. They don't. Uh, they don't get a lot of big sponsors and equipment that's going to be given to them, like like some of the bigger schools. Um, but but what the big thing you get out of film school, I think, is 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 the connections with the other filmmakers that you're going to make films with. Um, you know, and that's kind of what I've been doing um, with with all these people that I've met through Panavision. Through working on projects with people that I met at Panavision, um, you know, people would come to prep, and they would just are like, "Oh, we're shooting a little feature, or we're shooting a, a short film um, next week. You want to come out and help?" I was like, "Yeah." So, you know, cut, you you can make a lot of contacts, um, and so I would I would definitely recommend it. I mean, there's there's tons of people if if. It, There's tons of people at Panavision that, um, that were there, um, you know, 30 years ago that are now like big camera assistants and operators. And, um, and even, even from when I started 18 years ago that are, um, DPs, um, a buddy Cameron Duncan, um, Longmire and, um, what else? Cameron, a couple of TV shows, um and Dominic Bartolone and these guys and they're just you know they're they're shooting and um uh so and it's 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 literally our like little film school so um getting into a any rental house doesn't have to be panavision could be there's tons of like nice little bu- boutique ones that are out there too um, just kind of gets you into what you need to do, and that is get on set, right? right. Getting Getting on set is key.
1: Yeah, I mean, so. I think the takeaway there is that, you know, you don't have to go to film school or, you know, maybe if you can't afford it or it's just not for you and you don't like school, but you want to be in the film industry and you want to learn. There's multiple paths to getting where you want to go. And you don't have to do the one path just because someone else has done it, you know. Um I honestly think you know like sometimes there's not enough of like because I started that way like I went to a grip house and started just doing small jobs for them and would show up every now and then and do stuff and I feel like sometimes we miss that nowadays that you know that large technical side is uh is lost on you know some of the the fresh young people coming in you know um and I'm not putting down film schools I think there are a lot of great film schools mm-hmm. um but you know just like find, find your own path there's multiple ways to do it i think that's really yeah. encouraging you know to see that someone like you you know were able to get in at a, a company and and learned and got in that way and you know it's a It can be inspiring to someone that maybe, you know, hasn't been accepted to a school or I was the same way. I went to community college, you know, and so um, inspiring to some someone that, you know, maybe isn't going the atypical path. Um, With that said, like, what's your what's your prep like? So, you know, let's say, okay, got a job, booking a job. I'm going to do this movie. What, what do you do next? Like, okay, you're hired contract sign. What's your next step? What do you mm-hmm. kind of do through that prep process and how you deal and talk with your director and kind of, I know I'm asking a lot of stuff here at once, but I'm just going to kind of let you do a deep dive. Um, mm-hmm. and what do you feel like is your job as the director of photography through that entire process? Um, as you prep and and then go into shooting for the movie. Right. Yeah. Well, kind
2: of like I said uh, before, like, you know, uh, my big thing is, is to try to get the director's vision. um, Try to try to execute that as, as much as possible, as well as possible, because I have a feeling that, um, you know, if, if, if I go in there and say, I'm going to shoot this, however, I want to shoot it. Or whatever or 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 these I don't like the ideas, um, and then the production designer kind of does their own thing, and the, whoever else does their own thing, you know it, it it scatters the film. It doesn't it doesn't it it doesn't it doesn't, uh, it doesn't uh, create a an actual you know singular vision, which is which sometimes you can see in films. You can be like, well, eh, there's something uh, wrong with this project. There's just is not. It, it doesn't uh, it doesn't melt the way it should and um, and so for me it's like get into the you know meet, meet with the director as much as possible I do you know, I, I do a thing called date night where we're like we'll we'll, we'll go <laughs> over to wh- you know whoever's place and or, or we'll go to the theater and watch a movie or two and um, and then you know have some food and talk about it and be like hey you know i i really like how they did that you know they made me feel like you know scared in that scene or like that you know um uh uh reference of a pro uh, something that we saw and say hey hey for that scene that we're doing where the guy you know uh shoots the shoots shoots the other person we should try to do something similar to that because i i i think that's the direction we want to go and so um, that kind of helps, you know, um, to figure out the director's sensibility. And then I do a pretty deep dive on my um, on my breakdown. Like, my breakdown is, like, um, I will read the script multiple times. I actually, like, listen to the script, too. Um, I'll use a, an app called Dream Reader. and. Interesting. And uh, I will listen and read at the same time. And part of it's because I'm I'm pretty hev- I'm pretty dyslexic, and so um, I have a hard time reading a script. Like if I ra- had to read a script, um, sitting down, it would take me like on paper, it w- it would take me uh, probably double the time of it, it should actually take me, and um, sometimes even longer. I've had to do like three or four sittings depending on depending on the script, right? Mm-hmm. Um. But for some reason, if I'm if it's playing, if I'm listening to it and reading it at the same time, I can blast through it really fast. Um. I've I've done full, I've done sat down and read the whole thing one time, like that, and it helps because you have to read it multiple times, right? Um, right. And so I'll go through and I'll say, you know, scene, and I have a spreadsheet. This is like scene one you know, who's scene is this, what, what emotions are being shown here. And I'll go, you know, scene one, it's, you know, mom's, Tori's, this is Tori's scene. Um, this is just, you know, show, let's just show a loving, you know, loving relationship, uh, you know, scene two, blah, 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 the same thing. And just kind of go through and break it all down like emotionally. And that just kind of helps me, um, start to start to start to see what the the themes and the and the you know the the feelings are going to be for like the for for the film Mm -hmm. um and then i'll go and i'll and i'll meet with a director and we'll do a um a shot list and same thing i just have this pretty extensive spreadsheet that says like you know shot one uh what do you know we we talk about the scene of course first and we say hey what are we going to do you know this is this and this is happening and you know what what would we love to get out of this scene and then we and then we break it down where we're like okay we're going to steady cam into here once we get there we'll do the coverage and then we have a cool we'll have a shot from outside looking in for the window um and then and then from there i i break uh, that that helps me break it down even more technically so like i know i know i need a steady cam, right so in my column for camera i have steady cam. i have a column for electric i have a column for for grip i have a column for just additional notes and you know it's like okay well um this is a night scene so i'm gonna need um you know a condor outside with an 18k um and what that does there it, it allows me to say to to also to also schedule all the necessary equipment that's needed for that day because some days you're gonna you know you're, your producer's gonna ask you oh do you need a condor for 25 days and you go all right well i'm looking on here and i'm like yeah it's 20 i got 25 days of that or do you you, you really only need a condor for one day and you can it can helps me break it down um and what that does is is allows me to to let my team know what we need, um, and they get that. Like my 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 team gets the shot list every you know ahead of time, and then every morning because because of course it changes um, as I update it, and they know. Oh yeah, we're these are the things we need for this day. These are the shots we're doing. Um, and although the stuff will change, this is this gives us our blueprint for the day. Um, and then what happens at that point is I'll I like to go over the, the the shot list at least twice we'll we'll go with the director hopefully to the locations where we're shooting and block shoot um or sorry not block shoot um we called it um uh uh, uh photo boarding right we take our, ca- our mm-hmm. my camera my just iPhone or whatever and we'd take uh, one or two people with us and they would sit in and we'd say you know here's this shot here's that shot um, i've used sometimes on brightburn we used um, we use the artemis um, have you oh, seen yeah. the artemis the artemis prime mm-hmm. the one you can no actually i haven't put. seen the prime so it's like a it's like an ipad uh, so it's made by the same people used by nick um, you you just put a you can actually it's got a pl or a panavision mount on it and you put the lens on um, oh, you know, awesome. Brightburn, we Yeah, Brightburn, we shot anamorphic. So uh, Dave really wanted to see what kind of like the textures we were going to get and the focus. And there's also like, you know, hey, we want to do this shot and it's a small area. Well, the lens minimum focus is three feet that we might not be able to fit in there. Um, and so we would take a set of lenses with us and we would take and we, we actually got a couple a couple really good stand-ins to come in. And we... Um, actually shot some you know angles where we wanted to shoot and figured stuff out like okay well no he can't run down this way because we're going to run into each other and so forth and um that was really great and that 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 helped us then refine the shot list um to, to 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 give us a better idea of what what we wanted to shoot um and uh and even like like lens wise at that point i already knew like what lenses i wanted to use uh focal lengths when we were shooting it was like oh yeah it's a 35 because i already did this it's this is the frame we want um and um and then that's pretty much it that once we start shooting you know it's all about like figuring out how the how the uh how the machine works right um and the machine being the the however many hun, however many people are on set you know oh well these you know we move kind of slow when it's night or we move kind of fast when when we're doing these kind of shots or you know oh yeah every time we need to do a you know every time we need to do a special uh, sp- like a like a, a stunt you know Oh wow, we're it's gonna be half the day for that stunt because of safety and people are getting cabled up and and uh, you know all this stuff and it's like okay well that that's good to know so we know that we're not gonna get as many shots that day because of of whatever and um, and then watching dailies when you can with your director and saying all right what worked what didn't um, and then and then making that adjustment for the next week so that so that as you continue going. Uh, you just get, hopefully, get better, and and and, and the machine now, ha- you know how it works, and you need you know how much oil you need, and everything like that, and um, how much time certain people need. Uh, you know, sometimes you're waiting on an actor to get made up, or, or or they have a special effects makeup on, and you're like, oh, it's gonna take two hours, and it ends up taking three. Um. So.
0: With using. You know. Uh, the the Artemis Prime, along mm-hmm. with doing your location scout, mm-hmm. how how critical was that combination in merging the barn and the house? Because for those who right. have, you know, you told us this offline, but the barn and the house were not the same locations. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, it's. I mean, it it was key because. Um, we went out there and it's funny because I was looking at some of these stills a couple of days ago. Um, and, um, uh, you know, the great thing about scouting with that, with that, with that, with the Artemis prime was that it's an iPad. So you could, you take a, you take a frame grab and then you take the stylus or your finger and you could draw on, on the actual iPad, like the house. And so we frame oh, shots awesome. up where... Yeah, we would frame shots up where we would say, okay, here's the barn in the background. And then we would draw a little house right there on the corner and say, all right, here's where the house is going to be. And then we would say, okay, so because we did it both practically and and through CG, right? So there were times where we said, okay, we're going to build a flat. So like at the beginning of the movie, when she's walking around the house trying to find him, she actually exits the back door. And you see through the back door that she's going to the barn. Well, that was just a flat that we put up, and and we when we when we when we scouted that we were able to say, all right, that's going to be a thirty-five millimeter here. Um, we're going to build. We're going to have to build a platform like the house is raised because the house would be raised, and then um, this is how much of walls we need, uh, and. Uh, and it helped us just kind of like figure that out right um and also know like okay when we look back this direction a certain direction how much do how much of of a visual effects house did we need oh we only need a corner of the house um or no we see the whole house um and so it it was really critical because you know um there was uh there was really no going back. We we shot the house for the first two and a half weeks, and then we shot the barn for for the, the rest of that. So there was never any going back to the house and saying, "Oh, we forgot this shot to look outside" or so forth. And
0: now, um, why did they have to? It be was really different locations. Really cool. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. But why? why were they? <laughs> That's different? a great question. Co- <laughs> you know,
2: uh, because you know we we fell we fell in love with the house. Um, and then we fell in love with the barn, and they were in two separate locations. And so, mm. yeah, what you know, you know, you go you go scouting, and um, you know, on a on a on a bigger picture, uh, they probably would have built the house where the barn was, or or vice versa, built the built the barn on the property of where the where the house was. But um, we found we you know we scouted that house and it was beautiful. And we, um, and it gave us a lot of cool, a cool, um, cool things to do, um, with our visuals, as far as like going around the house and everything, um, more than any, any of the other houses that we looked at could. Um, but, but it, the property was, it wasn't super residential, but it was residential enough. Like that, that house actually had a pool in the backyard. Um, there was just the, the uh, you know, have, it didn't make sense that there was a pool, and then um, and the barn was was kind of like too small and and, and is actually was not in a good shape to sh- like in a uh, structurally good shape to shoot in, um, and then we f- we found that barn and we and we were like wow this is really cool because there's a lot of really like spots to hide and. Uh, ways that we can use it to kind of like add tension to to coming into this really dark place um and it also we we built the uh the pot where the where the spaceship is in the in the um, in the floorboards like we built all that so it gave us gave us space to do that um so we made the decision that uh that we were going to do it which was really difficult it, it did not make it easy. Um, there were many times where we wanted to turn around and, and, and we were like, guys, there's, we can't turn around. There's supposed to be a house there. <laughs> Remember? <laughs> um, you know, and, and there were many times where like I, in my shot list, I had multiple, like there's the scene where like you go, you were talking about where she walks out cause she hears the noise and she goes through the, through the, um, the clothes, uh, 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 the clothes hangers the clothesline that that was shot uh both at the house and then we shot it at the barn with clothes with the clotheslines rebuilt there so um there are many times where we're like okay uh two shots have to happen this one scene happens in two two actual locations and we had to be prepared for that, and schedule that, and be like, "All right, these are the shots we need from this direction, and these are the shots we need from this direction." Um, and then, we, I mean, when you look at them, they're 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 pretty seamless. I, I um, I even look at it and go, "Wow, that's, that was great. We can't even tell that we're not at the house."
0: And, I mean, with with this movie having, um, you know, a decent amount of CG, is there anything, any other? fun facts in terms of practical or CG that, um, you know, you'd like to like to share because mm-hmm. having the two locations, the house and the barn, that's, that's interesting. Cause you're right. Most films would just build a house or build a barn. Um, but in terms of practical effects, was there anything that could, um, that you have, uh, did, my, my actual question is, was there mm-hmm. something that was practical that, the viewer would think was cg how about that
2: yeah i mean i'm trying to think of i mean i know that um when we broke the little girl's hand that was practical um that was actually just you know they they made they made a mold of her hand and and had her had her hold this um this kind of full arm that had a had, I guess like I don't know what it had inside but it, it allowed it it allowed to look like like bones were being kind of redirected in certain directions <laughs> um and then um trying to think of well you know like the the you know we dropped of course we dropped the truck with the uncle on it um for real which was which was kind of fun to like you know lift up a bronco up in the air like 20 feet in the air and drop it um that was that was part i mean that was that was part like special effects and cg special effects makeup and cg so his jaw falling off was like they had like an actual hinged jaw on him and then but under him under on his real face he had like a green so so you had um a physical part that actually like hinged off and then behind that was green So, so then the, our visual effects um, company Which was which Trickster Who did an amazing job um, Went in and added like the, the rest of the guy's throat And grossness <laughs> um, How
1: important is that relationship Between you and like the VFX supervisor Oh, it's, I mean it's imagine cute. on a film like this Where there's so much of it you know yeah it's key i mean uh uh, we were really
2: lucky to have the production supervisor the the sorry the uh, vfx supervisor and the vfx producer there at at prep really early um and they um you know they would they would uh you know like anything you have a budget right and um sometimes you would say hey you know, I. we there's a certain shot we want to do, and they would say, "Oh, you don't have, you, uh, that that might be a past what we can do, budget wise, right?" Um, and then times there were, were something that you th- that I felt was going to be difficult was really easy, like like a lot of the times at night when you saw the house or so when you saw the barn and the house, you know, you saw four condors, lighting the barn in the actual shot and they just painted them out for me. And I was like, Hey, can I put, they were just like, Oh yeah, we'll just paint them out. Don't worry about it. I was like, you sure? He goes, yeah, just make sure they don't cross over here and over here and we'll be fine. And, and so, um, it was really awesome because it almost, it was almost like a, um, a saving grace. A lot of times where like, I, 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 I could go to them and be like, uh, I got to look out this window, but it's not, the right window and they would they would give me options and and also give me like you know they if you look at trickster um you know what they've done uh you know spider-mans and guardians of galaxies and all this stuff like that and you're just like oh man like they have so they had so much um experience that i just was like benefiting from excuse me benefiting from them you know giving me advice and being like no no um you should use blue screen because of this or you know yeah. um be careful with these highlights over here because they're gonna make you know it's gonna make it difficult to pull this key and where i would just kind of like um you know unknowingly shoot something and then hope for them to clean it up i actually can like and then it, it turns out better for it t- actually it turns out better because i a really good VFX shot is a, you know, one that you don't notice, right? And, um, and it just makes you, it makes your film look better. And, uh, and they were really key. Um, on my last film, um, you know, we had, um, we had one of the VFX supervisors from, from the Jungle Book. And, um, he was great. My same guy, Michael Kennedy. And so we, we were doing a lot of really cool stuff. And and we were constantly just like talking about like how how we could fix stuff what uh you know what he's seen other other filmmakers do to to do certain to to achieve a certain effect without it feeling so much like a visual effect um Mm -hmm. so it just it's just another another person to make your photography look much better
0: that's really important with with cg vfx and just having someone on set how is there is there something that you've learned throughout the years that you know what you know fat, backtrack five years that five years ago you were just like oh that that just gets done but now you're like oh that's not anywhere near as easy as as it as i thought it was you know just just talking through your your experience on on uh, CG mm-hmm. and VFX. Yeah, I mean, um,
2: the, the here's the thing is, <laughs> uh, with Brightburn, I was so lucky, and on the on the last movie I did, Books of Blood, I was really lucky to have good VFX companies that that are like on the top of their game. That really make they make it look easy, you know um i i i don't uh, well uh, how about the, i how we, about this you you, you know, mentioned
0: uh-huh. the blue the, the example they said was well the example you said was blue screen was going to be easier uh-huh. in some situations um yeah wh- why i mean everybody always hears of green screen but why in that situation right. why was blue screen better um, it was better because actually
2: it was the green was reflecting light back on the actor. And not only was it okay, you can say, oh, it's green spill, you can just, uh, they have a green, what's it called? Like the, uh, like a spill suppressor, right? Where they can actually, you know, suppress some of that spill, but it's still light. Okay? So, like, I had this. I had this, it was for the, actually the eyeball shot, I believe. I can't remember now. So basically uh, the, the, the way it was lit, I had a lot of really nice contrast, right? But because then I had to bring in a green, uh, 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 a green screen behind her, it bounced light back to her and kind of, it was acted as a bounce card and because you know green it was green it was it was much lighter tone and more, more reflective well the blue kind of worked almost as like a darker absorbent material and it didn't it didn't affect the contrast on the person's face as much as the green did
0: gotcha. it almost had like a little bit of a built-in negative
2: correct yeah exactly it's like it's like the green acted like a like a bounce in the and the and the And the blue acted like a negative fill.
1: Interesting. Yeah. So I think last question for me would be, I would like to kind of talk a little bit about color correction and, you know, the post process. Um, Are you there when the color grade and the correction and all that starts? Um, Or do you kind of let the colors do a pass and then you come in? How does that process work for you? Um, and do you you know where do you kind of see that going in the future? Sure. Um, yeah. No. I, I'm. I'm
2: there. Well, my colors um, will do first like a um, like a level pass, right? So just just make sure that you know, all the shots are kind of within the same level uh, of um, exposure or contrast, right? um and i don't need to be there for that i don't need to be like you know he knows it's like oh that's a little bit darker that's a little bit a little bit cooler that's mm-hmm. you know right uh this shot was shot th- uh, four weeks later so yeah definitely it's gonna look a little bit different whatever or the skin tone's just a little and just let them let them take care of that um and then i i'll come in and actually then start going like you know shot for shot being like okay this is you know, hey, uh, this window, I'd like to bring that down a little. Um, and sometimes we would... We actually, fr- sorry, first of all, we would... Once, once you have your base, you then you go in, like, adjusting the actual look, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, you hope to have a kind of an idea of how, how you want it to look. And say, like, you know what? Um, I was hoping to make everything just a little more contrastier. I want the blacks to sit a little lower. And... And you do like you find a scene that kind of represents that and take a couple shots and adjust them Um, and then, you know, say, all right, you know, I I like I like the way this is going. Let's 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 say this look here is is what is going to be our base uh, for the film. Mm -hmm. Um, And for Brightburn, we had a couple bases in that uh, as Brandon transitions into being, you know, the the. The killer that he is, or the killer that he was meant to be, um, colors start to get more saturated or bluer, the um, or redder, depending on on what world we're working on. So uh, we'll go in and actually like say, all right, this is this is this is Brandon's family Earth world, and then this is this is now we're starting to get into the horror world and and so we have those kind of those those are the looks we've set and then we will go through and start applying that look to each each scene real by real and as we go through we'll, we'll say hey you know what um her skin tone looks a little weird fix that so forth um this guy went uh can you give me more of the sky can you can we uh when i shot this i didn't have time to bring this up can you bring that up um, and, and and a lot of times you know i i use a uh, colors uh, Mitch paulson who's who's uh, great colors he, he colors he did deacons's uh, he did um uh, uh blade runner uh, oh, geez. 2049 and he did a bunch of like amazing stuff he's a great dude and so he has a great and again just like another feather in my cap to like make me look better <laughs> it's like <laughs> just like have have like you know an amazing colorist who has a really good uh eye for 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 making things look great and but then also he he's very he he he's really good at like Suggesting things without feeling like, and understanding the that they are for the film and make it look better. And it's like, oh yeah, this, you know, you know. Sometimes we we, we went a little dark, and sometimes he would be like, yeah, I like it. It's dark. It's great. You know. Like, All right, good. It was an um, assurance that like we were heading in the right direction. If you know, if he liked it, that means it's like, oh yeah, it's it's cool. Then we're we're heading the right 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 direction um you know as far as in the future i'd love to continue to do it that way and that and that there is a certain amount that's done before i get in there that doesn't need to be you know it doesn't need um my input as far as the, the the basic getting it to a certain level and then and then really tweaking and then you know sometimes there's uh there's going to be projects i imagine that are going to require a little more uh you know uh sweetening if you want to call it that and other times you know um they may be i may there may be less of that um i I mean i'm really liking this this kind of thing that we're doing with the the frame io stuff and that like i'm kind of ahead of time giving him giving the colorist um notes saying you know uh heads ups on on things that kind of like uh were hard to do or hard to figure or, or like or or adjustments that i need to be made you know while the sun was going in and out of clouds and just be made ahead of time before before i even uh, get in there and and uh you know spend i although i like spending you know two weeks at e-film it's it's kind of uh, nice to go in there and, and not have to worry about some some little little things that kind of uh, can, can eat up a lot of time, you know?
0: Yeah, and with, right. with, with having the time now, getting used to that program is also going to just help you more in the future. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and also remotely, I mean, there's, you know, like, uh, I think, I want to say, uh, I want to say uh, Mitch did Rogue One, but... I think he, he was telling me uh, no it wasn't Rogue One it was something else it was another project that he was telling me he was doing and that the DP had to like leave uh, halfway through or something like that and you know like I c can imagine a situation where where in the future I'm gonna be like maybe booked for um, um, a feature and prepping while while another feature should be while the previous feature is being colored. And it's like, how can I make sure that that it's heading the direction that I want it to go, while while I'm doing the other project? You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, if I'm in Atlanta prepping for another film, it's nice to know that I could get on the computer and 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 actually like go give them you know specific notes on a Correct. on a calibrate. You know, even on I mean, on iPad's pretty good. You, the iPad gives you pretty decent. Um, representation of what you shot and you can actually be like all right yeah yeah this looks good fix this fix that and then and then i'm still working on the other project and and i know that it's not like someone going in and and oh they didn't fix that one thing i really wanted to get fixed you know
0: right gotcha
1: all right well dude cool mike thank you so much for coming on brother this was awesome oh yeah thank you for having me It was great
0: yeah a lot a lot of great information yeah. um re- really excited for your next films um see how see how those all play out yeah. especially the one that um you still have you still have to finish <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> yeah i mean i yeah. definitely feel like we could sit here and talk another hour or more you know so oh for sure I really appreciate it i mean it's it's really
2: cool i, I think um you know it, it's really nice to be able to hear what people think and you know um how people how other people do stuff and the, you know to to give a to give uh others you know uh even and even if an inkling of inspiration to like continue you know working at what they're doing and 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 um what they love it's it's and how and how the how everything works and that like you said everyone's journey is a little bit different and that uh that it's just It's just going to take some work and some time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, dude, thank you again. Cool. And uh, looking forward to maybe having you back on later. Can't wait to see what you do next. And um, maybe we can actually talk about that one then. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Thanks, Mike. Have a good rest of your day. Take care. Stay safe. All right, bud. Thanks, guys. See you later. All right. Bye. Kevin, it's the end of the podcast.
0: Josh that means that everybody needs to stop what they're doing, write us a review and subscribe for future episodes. Yeah, I mean it would really help us out a lot. It helps us kind of get to the, you
1: know, new and noteworthy section top of the charts, help us get new people, new interesting and lovely film people on this podcast.
0: Along with that, you can follow us on Instagram at fgi podcast and you can also check out more episodes and more information, more bios and information For all of our speakers at FGIPodcast.com.
1: This podcast was also recorded live in front of a studio audience. And we flew everyone out on Delta Airlines. No, but um, it was recorded live at Two Stories Media Studios. And it's presented by Greenland Entertainment and Two Stories Media.